0: Happy New Year! Welcome to 2021. Oh my gosh! Listen to the fireworks. Yeah, they've been going off all night. It's it's the neighbors' fireworks. Boy, they must have spent a fortune on those. Oh wait, let me. My bad. It's just a sound effect. Here I was blaming my neighbors, and it was my fault the whole time. Coming up, my interview with the late great Fred Willard. Hey! The Daily Detour. Headlines and entertainment on your schedule.
1: Featuring music by our house
0: band, Quickie. And now, your host, Dan
1: Roberts.
0: Welcome once again to The Daily Detour. Usually I start with some good news, then I go into headlines and showbiz gossip. And always share a fun conversation with somebody of note. Today, we're just going to skip right to that conversation. We lost a lot of notable celebrities in 2020. Alex Trebek, Eddie Van Halen. These are in no particular order. Don Wells from Gilligan's Island passed away. So many. But I didn't get the chance to interview uh, those guys, or I'd have them on right now as well. Uh, But I did get a chance to speak with Fred Willard. Now, this was years ago, but in the short amount of time I had him on the phone, we managed to cover quite a bit of ground. And I even managed to take some wisdom, take a lesson away from the conversation. So without further ado, here's Fred Willard and I. Hello? Hi, Fred Willard. Yes. Hi, it's Dan Roberts in Seattle. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. It's an honor to talk to you, sir. Thank you. I understand you're going to be in our neck of the woods
1: tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, it looks like it, in Olympia.
0: Yeah, so it's a Lifetime Achievement Award that you're receiving? <laughs> I think so. How do you feel about that?
1: Well, interesting. I, I, I've gotten several of those, and those those seems that it means I'm about to die. But, but you that- keep going. What they're going to do is um, show uh, Best in Show, you know, the uh, Chris Guest movie that I was in. Oh, yeah. It'll be fun.
0: It's the 29th annual Olympia Film Festival. They are showing Best in Show. You'll be there for that. And then there's a cocktail reception afterwards. Are you uh, attending that as well?
1: Oh, sure. I might as well. Do you drink at all? Or No, maybe just one, you know. I carry it around and uh, say hello to everybody. Yeah, yeah, nice. Do
0: you have a Do you have a joke you like to bust out at cocktail parties?
1: No, no. <laughs> so, you see, people tell me uh, how, how much of a fan they are. Uh, they've watched me since Fernwood Tonight, which always amazes me because that was a long time ago.
0: Yeah, my boss is in that uh, number right there. He loves that show.
1: Yeah, in fact, I just talked to Martin Mull on the phone. Uh, we may uh, oh, cool. go up to San Francisco to do a uh, Fernwood Tonight retrospective, which would be fun.
0: Oh, very cool. I think I first became familiar with you on a show called Real People.
1: Oh, Yeah. That was a year or two after Fernwood uh, Tonight. Yeah, George Slaughter.
0: Yeah, my my uh, family and I uh, gathered around the TV and watched that. Skip Stevenson, Sarah Purcell, and some little kid uh, directed an Iron Man movie a couple years ago. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Peter Billingsley. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, so tell me, let's talk about Best in Show. Why do you think this movie is being shown tomorrow night at the film festival? Why do you think this movie is on so many people's top ten lists?
1: I think it's because it's about dogs. For some reason, he... Um, Christopher Guest hit a nerve there with dogs. Everyone I talk to either owns a dog or has put a dog in a show. and um, Plus, it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's a contest, and I think people love to follow along with a contest. And he really captured um, the Westminster Dog Show. I've watched it in years after it, and I, I'll tune in in the middle and say, is this best in show? I mean, he really captured the, the flavor of it.
0: So how much research went into that, then, do you think? Was it was it just watching it on TV, or did, did he attend the show, or how did...
1: No, I don't know how much research he put into it, but he sent me uh, videotapes of the Westminster Dog Show, and he told me that I would be playing um, the old broadcaster. It's a
0: loose cannon kind
1: of up there. Yeah, and he said that he, he's made no effort to... Uh, Joe Joa. That's right. And he said he made no effort to learn anything about the dog, so he said, you'll you'll be doing kind of virtually... What he does. So um, I watched it, and I, I took the the key from him. I got into his kind of cadence, Joe Gargiola's cadence. and uh,
0: well, That's hysterical. I never knew that that was based on Joe Gargiola.
1: Well, he, he was the color man up until then, and then for a couple of years after that. And yep. I was kind of a fan of his, because I'm a frustrated baseball player, you know, I think most actors wanted to be professional athletes, which I wanted to be. I wanted to be a big league ball player. So um,
0: I've heard that, and 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 rock stars want to be rock stars want to be athletes, at, and and athletes want to be rock stars and yeah. actors. That's a whole. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And he told me I would be a um, former minor, uh, like a college coach, and I thought it would be funnier if I'd, you know, actually not uh, coached uh, uh, college and and was in a former athlete myself, and I took it the next step to think that. Um, Everybody in the audience would be greatly interested in my statistics and my background as opposed to just uh, the dog show. So when I got into that, how much do you think I can bench press? Right. I'm sure nobody watching a Westminster dog show would give a damn about how much this guy could bench press. So it was just a lot of fun.
0: Was this the first of the Christopher Guest movies? The first
1: one was called Waiting for Guffman. That's right. And then I think this was the second one. And Waiting for Guffman was, was very popular with the uh, show business crowd, and I got an awful lot out of that for a couple of years. Then The Best in Show got a, a little more popularity from the general public.
0: And for anyone that has been living on Mars or something, I mean, these are largely improv movies, or maybe entirely improv You don't really get a script. What do you get?
1: You get an, an outline, and um, about 15, 16, 17 pages... As a matter of fact, I don't even think I was in the outline for this. It just said, uh, uh, you know, I called him. I said, Christopher, there's no mention of me in the outline. Oh, so he sent me a new outline that said that my character and my co-host discussed the dog show. So we weren't even watching what was happening on uh, down in the center ring. We'd watched that a few days before on a videotape. And um, my co-host was uh, Jim Piddock, who is, uh, people say, gee, he must have been a real dog show guy. And not, not at all. He was just an actor that Christopher had flown in from London to, to do this. But it worked out perfectly.
0: Have you since the movie? Have you run into any of the people, uh, the type of people that participate in dog shows like that? Like, are they fans of the movie, do you think? Or? Oh, yeah,
1: they're all great And I understand the person who was the head of the Westminster Dog Show is a great fan. And what I found out, I mean, from watching both the Westminster Dog Show and from working with the dog show owners when I was up there, uh, when I say up there, I mean in Vancouver, we did this in Vancouver, the dogs are very well taken care of and very well loved. There's no very strict discipline or shoving them around or mistreating them. So that's always nice to know.
0: Yeah. What do you think the next Christopher Guest... Are? I assume you guys are going to keep going with these types of movies. Has there Not been discussion? So. I don't.
1: I think he's pretty done with uh, oh, really? mock documentaries because everyone now is doing that sort of thing. But what he's doing...
0: I was picturing a honey boo-boo in your future.
1: <laughs> well, what he's doing, he and Jim Piddock, who is my sidekick, have written a TV series that's going to be on HBO. And I'm going to be in that come January.
0: What I predict, uh, Emmy nominations in your future. You've had a, a several, like, it seems like every time you're on TV, you're nominated for an award.
1: Yeah, and and not one any time. Yeah, I was <laughs> nominated three times for uh, Everybody Loves Raymond and once for Modern Family.
0: Yeah, great show. And you were on, this is the thing, I, I want to ask you, uh, there was a show called Back to You. And yeah, Ty- yeah,
1: Kelsey Graham. It was a wonderful show.
0: Yeah, and Ty Burrell was on there, and my yeah. wife and I were watching that show. We had no idea who Ty Burrell was at the time, but there was an episode or two. He started doing more and more physical comedy on that show, yeah. and we just thought he was hysterical. We were so—we were unhappy when that show was canceled. We were so happy to see him pop up on something else. Yeah. Were you aware, working with him, that he was about to pop?
1: No, not at all, uh, but I knew he was very funny. And very special, and actually the producers of that show are now the producers of Modern Family.
0: Oh, wow. See, I didn't know yeah. that.
1: And um, so I, I'm very happy for them because they put so much work in the back to you, and it was such a funny show, but it just didn't get the ratings, and then it was interrupted by the writer's strike. That's right. Yeah.
0: Well, and now you're Phil Dunphy's dad, so I assume that you'll make some return appearances on Modern Family.
1: Could, very, very possible. I've done two, and I haven't been on um, uh, the last season, but then um, I ran into the producer. We were in Maui, and I just ran into him and his wife. Uh, they were vacationing. vacation. I think it was uh, his 50th birthday, and we ran, I just ran into him sitting on the dock over in um, Bora Bora, which is very strange.
0: <laughs> yeah, Small World. Yeah. That's where that comes from.
1: Steve Levitan is his name, yeah. Great producer, great writer. He he, he wrote on the, um, on the Kelsey Grammer Show, you know... Um, Not Cheers, but... uh, Frazier. Frazier, yeah. Yeah, and he's young, just turned 50.
0: Speaking of uh, return engagements here, Anchorman is coming back. Will you be in the next Ron Burgundy? I
1: think I am, yes. They've called about my availability, and I would love to do it. It was great fun doing that. And I just did a segment of Hot in Cleveland.
0: Oh, I like that show.
1: Which I thought I should have been on long ago because I'm from Cleveland, so... I actually came on to be Georgia Engel's (laughs) ex-boyfriend. So that was fun. That's a good show.
0: How much of that do they let you ad-lib, or is that pretty much... Not much.
1: It's pretty closely written. But like most scripts like that, you do one one, one, run, and then they come up and they rewrite. They say, what what, what if you say this instead of that? It's kind of exciting and scary because you're in front of a live audience, and you spent the whole week working on these lines, which have changed all week, and suddenly between take one and take two, and they give you rewrites. But uh, you try it, and the audience seems to love it because they saw through the first take, and then they see the second take, which is um, with new lines and I think they probably think the actors have come up with the lines themselves
0: so i I look at a guy like you and I look at you know i mean in my fantasy world you're you 're on hit television shows you 're making hit movies, and I would think that would be it. I understand that you might come from a background of like improv comedy like live improv comedy. But you know, what, what makes you keep doing that? Because I know that you're still involved. I know that, uh, you know, on any given night, maybe in L.A. or something, I might be able to catch you doing some Second City comedy or something like that. What keeps you doing that?
1: Because well, it's, it's, it's great. It keeps your hand in it, and you keep in touch with a lot of ex-Second City people, and they'll call you. One of the writers from the Conan O'Brien show called me to come down to be in a show he was in. And it's always very flattering to do that. And I'm doing a couple of Jimmy Kimmel things on his actual TV show.
0: And you've been on Leno a lot in that capacity yeah, as well. I've been
1: on Jay Leno for since he went to ten o'clock. I think he kind of cleaned the slate and did a whole lot of new stuff then. But uh, I, we still watch that show. I love it. I watch uh, Headlines every Monday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still. I uh, just love the way he just loves that old stand-up. Uh, you know the one-liners and uh, right. you know power to him. He's still doing well. He's been picked up for two years, and it's like a big fraternity. And I'm part of a sketch group. It's not improv; it's sketch group. For about once a month, we do a show at the Second City Theater in Hollywood, and I'm called in every once in a while to do some improv show, which is always scary as heck. But you you do it. It still scares you after all this time. Oh yeah, it's like tightrope walking. You know, it's, it's great when you succeed, but if you it's suddenly blank, and because uh, you work with people who are doing it every night. Right. And um,
0: but the audience, if you find yourself in that situation, I mean, you're Fred Willard. I would think they would be somewhat forgiving.
1: Well, yeah, but I, I compared, you note know, with it was G, Eugene Levy once a couple of years ago, who he hates to get up and improvise, too. He says, because you always get a big welcome, a big hand, and then the pressure is on you to keep it up, to be good. Right. But it's always a lot of fun, and you go, and at the end of the night, you, you go away thinking, geez, I'd love to do this more. And I just did something that's very scary. It's a London TV show. It's called The Meltdown. And what you do, they get up there on the stage, and they flash a, a phrase up on the screen behind you, you have to turn around and look at it and then do two or three minutes on that phrase. Oh, wow. And um, It can really get uh, a little bit scary, but at the end of the night, it was so much fun. I kind of thought about, gee, I should be going to some of these little clubs, getting up doing this. It, it's a lot of fun.
0: I do a little voice acting here and there, and I'm told that that improv is, you know, a good thing to do to uh-huh. bring out more ca- It does terrify me. I have not followed through with that yet because it terrifies me so much.
1: Yeah. The key is to not think that you have to be funny. Just get up and start talking, and and, uh, the funny will come.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) uh, That's what I found. That's the advice I give, but, uh, you know, I don't always take that.
0: No, I like that. Hey, before I let you go, I want you to tell me what is uh, something that is one of your favorite things that you've ever done, and maybe it's something that, you know, mainstream audiences aren't familiar with.
1: You know, I look back, I saw an old Laverne and Shirley I did once, years ago, (laughs) with uh, Lenny and Squiggy, and I look at that, I said, boy, that was great, I don't know where you'd get that, I don't know, retrospective, and then I'm thinking, uh, uh, let's see, well, every Jay Leno I did was a lot of fun, I did about 90 of them, and um, they were great fun, because the thing is, you'd go in, you'd rehearse it once... You do it, you go home at night and watch it. There's no rewrites, there's no notes right. when it's over, and it's immediate satisfaction there. You go home, you tune in, and there you are at uh, you know, 11.40, you're doing your bit. And uh, That was written and also largely improvised. A lot of it was improvised, too.
0: Yeah. Fred Willard, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Have a blast tomorrow as you receive your uh, award. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll, it should be fantastic. Yeah. It'll be eaten out of your hand. <laughs> Thanks so much.
1: All right. Talk to you later. All
0: right. Bye-bye. There you go. Fred Willard. Very generous with his time. And I love that he picked Laverne and Shirley. Like, of all the things that you've done, what was your favorite, I asked. And he picks Laverne and Shirley. And now I feel like I need to look that up. You can watch reruns of that, I think, on MeTV. Definitely on Pluto, if you have Pluto on your streaming service. Got to Google the episode number, though. I have no idea. But how funny is that? And it also, it sounded like no one had ever asked him that before. Like he had to think about it. (laughs) That's what he comes up with. I love it. But that's not the lesson that I took away. I was amazed that he still gets nervous and, and even indicated he didn't like getting up in front of an audience and doing improv. Yet that's what he's known for doing. He's known for being so good at it, but he forces himself to do it and he finds it rewarding when he's taken the plunge. And he said, Eugene Levy is the same way. So I think if you're afraid of doing something, take that to heart. Even the people that are best known for doing the thing that they do sometimes have to fake it to make it, right? Got to force themselves out there. Walk that tightrope. Life is one of two things, I think. it's You're on the tightrope or you're on the couch. It's a lot more interesting on the tightrope. How's that for wisdom going into 2021? All right, I'll get back to the usual format on Monday. Enjoy your time off if you've got the time off. And uh, cross your fingers, this is going to be a great year. So long for now. You've been listening to The Daily Detour, a production of Basic Bits, LLC, hosted by Dan Roberts, music by Quickie, and I'm your announcer, Livet Wolf. New episodes drop Monday through Friday. Subscribe now so you never miss a moment and we'll chat with you next time.